time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Ich bin ein Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the Cold War, Ray Harris. Yeah, yeah. Uh <laughs> it's all, I'm going for my street cred. Uh, I'm trying to work on that. It's not it's not working so far. You just told me off air. I learned something. Yeah. We've been working together for 74 years <laughs> and I just learned I learned something new about you every week. I, like, I just learned that you've got stents yeah. in your heart. Yeah. Well, to work with me now, is first like a of bo- all, box of chocolates. I, Go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't know that you had a heart, right. so that was the first <laughs> learning there. Right. I thought it, I right. thought you had a little jack in the box in your chest. <laughs> Secondly, it's my pants. Uh, I didn't know that. So yeah, yeah, it's, mm. and you've had them for quite a while, right? You got it done. What did you say in your late thirties? My late thirties, I uh, felt an incredible amount of pressure. I thought it was just marriage and kids, but it turned out to be something medical. So uh, they opened me. Oh my God! Do you know the procedure? We don't have to go into it now, but do you know the procedure to get a stent put in your heart? Uh, no, they crack your chest open. No, I don't know what. No, no, they cut a major. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Right, right in your inner thigh, below your testicles, they cut a major artery vein. For heck, I don't know. They run a little tube up with the little netting. They run it all the way up there. There, run it, push it to your heart. Get the netting in the right space that can blow. You know, and they have a little balloon or whatever that blows it open. They stick the netting in there. That's going to hold open that, that part of your heart, and then they take the um, the tube out. But they run it through there. When they told me that, I almost fainted. They could have just did it right there and then. But, of course, they gas you up. You don't feel a thing. I think I hit on the nurse and the doctor. No, I did hit on the, on the doctor right afterwards. She said, Mr. Harris, you had a 75%, uh, excuse me, you had a 95% blockage. And I, instead of going, well, I could have died, I went, damn, you're wow. hot. And... That was the end of that. You're like, hey, how are you doing? (laughs) I'm better now. How would you like to test this out? But you should look it up on YouTube. It's pretty intense. I've got something else that's 95% blocked. (laughs) Do you want me to show you? No. <laughs> Do you want to help, help me clear it out. <laughs> no, I wasn't offering. So I'm just trying to yes. get. I'm just trying to get the timing right. Uh, so in your late 30s, so you're in your early 50s now. So this is like 15 years ago. Yes. Um, uh, how long have you been married to Heather? Um, some I, uh, 18, somewhere around 18 years. I think she caused it. Really? I think she caused it too. Yeah. Right. I was just wondering if it was in that five-year period when <laughs> she wouldn't sleep with you, if that's why. I'm sure that didn't help. Yeah, I'm not stressed, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey, by yeah. the way, uh, as you know, because yes. I gave you a preview that I wrote a little song, oh. I recorded a little song for you this week. I'm touched. Uh, let, me, let me play Please. it. Let me play it now. Please. I was thinking of you. Right. 
go. It's pretty much sums That's up for our Rayla. relationship. Yeah. No, thank you. <laughs> the ode to Ray. I, Come on, who else? I appreciate that. Who else records songs for you? It's just me. Just you. That's what, and maybe yeah. Martin Darlington <laughs> occasionally doing a little poem or something. But other than that, I've got no one. So thank you. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Yes. Yeah, I'm here for you, buddy. Thank you. All right. Yeah. Last time. Yes. <clears throat> last time on the Cold War show, uh, we did the trial and execution of Draja Mahalovic. Yes. The uh, drunken leader <laughs> of the Chetniks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to besmirch the reputation I'm of the Chetnik leadership. Please don't shoot me. I'm joking. Mm. And we said that there was a, there was a huge, uh, foreign outcry. People like Churchill were like, look at these yeah. mongrels. They're <clears throat> executing political opponents. Of course, the official justification, as we said last time, was that he collaborated with the Nazis and and the Italians uh, against his own people. Right. Um, But the Serbs at this stage were a little bit like the Jews. They really had no friends to come and protect them. Um, You know, they had been, well, they were Orthodox Christians and previously they'd been connected, like all Orthodox are in loose ways, to the Russian Orthodox Church. Right. Uh, so they'd had a little bit of air cover, if you like, from the the from Mother Russia. But now, of course, Russia is officially atheist. Yes. Uh, even though br- during World War Two, I seem to recall Stalin went, "Listen, if if you want to pray to your gods, go. Uh, we need all the help we can right get ahead. right now." Uh, you know, tell them to bring yeah, go gun. right ahead for bring now. As soon as, yeah. <laughs> yeah, as soon as we're through this bit, you know, if you could just send in your uh, Orthodox Jesus to help us out here, that'd be great. <laughs> and he did, and and they turned the they turned yes. the war around, and the Russians won. But then they're officially atheist right. again, so they don't have a big or you know they, they've got the Greek Orthodoxes. Greeks fucked yes. um, at the Civil time. War. Russia, Russia's there's no Orthodox power there, so the, the Russian army's not going to come and save right. them. So they're fucked. Yes. But the Croats, on the other hand, were Catholics, and you know a lot of Catholics around the world are willing to support the Croats, and the you know as we saw, the Vatican was providing uh, rat lines to the uh, Ustasha yes. leadership when they wanted to get out of the country. But no, no one's coming to Mihalovic's uh, rescue. Right. Well, the, the thing for me was that um, here's Tito trying to put all nationalities aside, trying to rebuild this country now that the war is over. But like you said, uh, Yugoslavia and Tito recognizes that they have several monsters under their bed. And one of those are the men of the church who took part in the massacres, not only during the war, but also during the civil war. And the man at the top of that uh, group of people is the Catholic Archbishop of Zagreb, um, Aloysius Victor Stepanak. And so how does Tito move forward without the very least communicating with the church, trying to work something out with the Catholic church. And unlike, unlike the Orthodox, obviously it's the Catholic church. They have a Pope. They have people all over the world. Tito's going to have to be very careful with this guy because he can make a big stink if he wants to. And guess what? He's a Catholic. So he wants to make a big stink because he's not happy in this new communist country. 
Aloysius, I think is how you might pronounce that. Yeah, well, that's how we would pronounce it in the West. Yeah, I'm not sure how they pronounce it over there. (laughs) I should have asked. uh, I've I've done a couple of interviews in the last week with uh, some sort of, uh, I guess, Yugoslav, I'll just say Yugoslav uh, listeners, a couple of young fellows from modern Slovenia. Uh, who had a chat with me about what's going on in their part of old Yugoslavia and then uh, recently interviewed a guy who lives in Canberra now who was uh, a MiG-29 fighter pilot in Yugoslavia in the 80s. uh, Swore an oath of loyalty to Tito uh, when he he entered, you know, whatever that, you know, Top Gun school in the late 70s. had a great chat with all. So those will come out over the next couple of weeks. Really, really, and I really appreciated uh, yes. them all coming uh, on, jumping on and chatting with me about their experience of uh, living in Yugoslavia and their memory. And 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 it, it, today, the kids and the young guys in Slovenia, what it is like today, and what their parents and grandparents have told them about the old days, etc., right. etc. Et so it was fascinating. Cool. Um, I really, really am looking forward to getting over to that part of the world. Uh, as soon as we're allowed to travel, yes. get over, bit of a road trip through uh, Croatia, Serbia, uh, yep. uh, go, you know, go visit, go visit the, That'd be the amazing. Uh, beautiful part of the world that yes. this is. Yeah. Anyway, so when the partisans yep. entered Zagreb, uh, May 1945, they were told ordered by uh, Tito not to take revenge yeah. on the Ustasha. Yeah. You know, this had been the, the headquarters of the Ustasha. They were said, don't take revenge. Right. Because, again, what Tito has firmly in his mind is we have to rebuild. Yes. And, uh, you know, we, we, we can't be seen as the guys that are just coming through you know, uh, being just as bad as uh, the Ustasha were. And we do know that a lot of the prisoners that were sent back who tried to escape the country were imprisoned and or executed. Mm-hmm. But when they when they retook places like Zagreb, they were told to keep it cool. That's what uh, Tito said. <laughs> cool like Fonzie, man. Be cool. Hey, well, be cool like be cool like Fonzie. Right. But the other part of that is if they if they walk into Zagreb and they just start killing and people are asking them, "Hey, what are you doing? Where do you how do you justify this?" Of course, the last thing Tito wants to bring up is all the crimes of the Ustasha because then you get into the whole nationalities. Everybody's going to start hating everybody. Everybody's going to hate someone because of the religion and it's going to be the exact opposite of what he needs. Like you said earlier, he he needs to smooth this over so we can start to sew this country back together. He knows he's got a long way to go. So any kind of violence, whether it's for nationalities or for religion, doesn't matter. He That's the last thing that he needs right now. All right, now tell her it's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Promise her. I promise. Tell her to chill. Just chill out, honey, buddy. All right, now tell me your name. Yolanda. All right, now Yolanda. We're not gonna do anything stupid, are we? <laughs> Don't you hurt him. Nobody's gonna hurt anybody. We're all gonna be like three little Fonzies here. And what's Fonzie like? <laughs> Come on, Yolanda, what's Fonzie like? Cool. What? Cool. Correct the mundo. <laughs> <And> the- <laughs> 
That's how I'm going to parent from now on. Yeah, we're all going to cool down, right? We're all going to be like Fonzie, right? Uh, of course, they don't know who Fonzie is, but that's beside the point. And from about 1943, when the morale in the NDH, the independent state of Croatia, had started to crumble, mm. uh, the partisans had encouraged and welcomed deserters. Because right. remember, Tito's a Croatian. Yes. He understands the Croatians. He, he, you know, he's obviously not a Catholic, but he understands how they feel. Sure. He understands their issues. So they were they were welcomed. Yeah into the ranks of the partisans. And as the partisans were advancing into Ustasha territory, they did, obviously, arrest and execute Ustasha guilty of crimes, mm-hmm. including lots of priests and a couple of nuns. Yes. But their official propaganda tended to play down the crimes of the Ustasha and focus mostly on the foreign invaders, the Nazis and the Italians, because, again, they need to rebuild the country. And if there's just, like, lots of revenge killing going on, if people feel like this is their opportunity to stick it to some moustache, it's going to take a lot longer to stitch the country back together. All of the people that were killed, the hundreds of thousands of Serbs who had been killed by the moustache were... They were lumped together with the rest as victims of fascism. And another part that makes this entire situation delicate, and I think you said this like two episodes ago, the partisans are working for Tito. He's trying to string everything back together. But here's the other part of it, the reason that they're all walking on eggshells. The partisans know that they're not there because the people are demanding a communist revolution. They're not there because the partisans fought the Germans and the Italians. That's not why the partisans are either beloved or tolerated. It's because they fought the ND, the NDH. And so, again, they, they're they on their path to power. They've, they've formed a government and they're on their way. But it's not like the people are screaming, Tito, 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 because, you know, he's t- taking advantage of the momentum that was created during the war, but now he has to keep that going. And the last thing he needs is another civil war. It would tear everything apart. Yeah, it's an interesting... Uh, position that he's in. They came to power as the result of a bloody civil war. Basically, like they're the last man standing after all of that. Um, And he doesn't want to highlight that fact, uh, which I find interesting because... You know, if you think of most other revolutions, they also involve civil wars. Yeah. Um, let's take uh, let's take Cuba, Cuba's revolution. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's very much lots of different parties that were fighting Batista, um, not all aligned, uh, particularly in the early years with Castro. Right. But certainly when Castro won, you know, they were very happy to promote the fact that they were the the winners of the Civil War and everyone had to get on board and, you know, they talked about the Civil War. But I guess, again, the propaganda was mostly about Batista being the puppet of the American government, Uh, probably not a lot said about the Cuban collaborators, Uh, although, you know, there there were some war crimes trials that happened led by Che Guevara after the revolution. But I think, yeah, basically you want to, after any revolution, you want to try and rebuild your country as quickly as possible. You don't want, 
you don't want it spinning out of control, uh, revenge killings against collaborators and uh, those sorts of things, people who are on the other side. Right. Yeah, I get it. But he, I get here's it. the other part of it, and we're seeing this in the American election right now. You could either try to lead through hope or you could try to lead through fear because you could think that Tito could have said, hey, me and the partisans, we went after the people who were tormenting uh, our fe- fellow Yugoslavians. He could have theoretically said that like we tried everybody. We didn't kill anybody unless they were proven to be one of the murderers or executors. He could have did that. But like we just said a couple of minutes ago, he knows these country people. He knows what's important to them, he, you know, because he, he's one of them. So I think he's taking the tact that he thinks is the best way to proceed. And I think he's trying to be positive as opposed to driving, hurting them with fear and, and getting back to the church for a second. So it's like, OK, I'm trying to build this name. At the very, very least, I have to have decent relations with Archbishop Stepanach. And there's actually going to be a time when Tito approaches him. He's like, hey, let's try, let's try to talk. Let's work things out because I'm going to do this with or without you. But it would be a lot easier and it would be better for everybody if the church and you specifically came along with me. Yeah, he wants to get him on side. Now, Stepanach, obviously, as as we've seen over the course of the series, was very much a collaborator, uh, particularly in the early years with the Eustacia. Yes. Certainly didn't speak out to stop them. So, you know, Tito, by all rights, could have had this guy just arrested oh, yeah. and, uh, and um, put on trial as a war criminal. Didn't. We assume because he's uh, trying his best to make peace with the Catholics of Croatia. Mm-hmm. So he asks, he does approach Stepanach several times. They they try and figure out how to get along. Yeah. A bit like him and Mikhailovich in the early years. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really work out, though. Uh, Tito does have some criticisms of the Catholics. He does suggest that the Croatian Catholic Church should become more national. You say, listen, you can keep being Catholics, just stop listening to the Italians. Break away from the Vatican. Just just be a Catholic Church for Croatia, by Croatia, make Croatia great again. Uh, But in, in, in one of his... One of his talks with the church officials, he even went as far as to call himself a Croat and a Catholic, yeah, although Cardelj uh, apparently cut that out of the uh, official press reports on the meetings. Didn't want that getting <laughs> out there. Not very good for a communist leader to be calling himself right. a Catholic. Uh, and the government, Tito's government, even gave permission in July of 1945 um, to, uh, to, to build a shrine Catholic shrine at a village in central Croatia that was attended by 50,000 faithful Catholics. So Tito's trying to be conciliatory with the Catholics. Yeah. But they did go ahead and have trials of priests who apparently had blood on their hands. You have to. Including the Franciscan friar Miroslav Filipovic. He was uh, one of the one of the killers at Jasenovac uh, concentration camp, known to the inmates there as Brother Satan. Damn. Now I don't know. That's that was one of my favourite heavy metal bands of the eighties, Brother Satan. Um, but yeah, they yeah. is also his name. He apparently had participated in the massacre of 2,730 
Orthodox Serbs, including 500 children. He was the chief Jesus. guard of the Jasenovac concentration camp. Right. And they hanged him by the neck. <laughs> Until dead. Uh, wearing, wearing his Franciscan friar's robe. Well, you've got to imagine that even if Tito didn't want to go this far, there's just too many witnesses. Yes, this guy was involved in thousands of killings, but some of you know some of their family or villagers or whatever survived. There's just too many people in the know that are talking. So, and again, Tito is trying to trying to be lie um, law abiding, you know, in his new government. So he's got to do something. But again, he knows it's going to b- bring a backlash, but he's got to do it anyways, because the people would be like, you don't care about us if, if you let this guy go. And the other thing they do besides punish some of these uh, people that did horrible things during the war is they start closing down religious schools and they stop some of the religious teaching. Why? Because obviously some of these schools, some of these systems are turning out radicals. And that's the last thing that this this new state needs. So he's going after the people. Tito has no other choice. These people who did horrendous things have to be brought to justice. Yeah. Shutting down Catholic schools. I'd like to see that happen here, quite honestly. Yeah. I think Catholicism should be shut down altogether, particularly after the... Right. You know, the, the, the priesty rapey stuff that we're all familiar with and how that's been and, you know, they've been protected by the church. The whole thing should, should get shut down. Yes. But that's just me. Yeah. So uh, he also started to bring in some reforms. Uh, civil marriage was introduced and, and that came along with easy divorces. Good. Imagine the Catholics weren't too happy about that. Mm. They started to uh, collectivize the land, particularly a lot of property that was confiscated from the Catholic Church. Mm. The Tito's government confiscated most of the church's property. Right. So on one hand, he's trying to negotiate with Stepanach and do some kind of uh, I don't know conciliatory deal with the Catholics. On the other hand, yeah. Executing some of their uh, the 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 worst elements that were involved in the concentration camps, shutting down their schools yeah. and confiscating their property. So you know it's hard to see how this is going to end well for Tito and the Catholics. Right, but Tito's being a realist. Yeah, I'm gonna I want to work with you. I want to talk to you because I want you like myself to think of the bigger thing, the country. But Stepanach is not worried about that. He's just worried about the church, and like you just said, he is not happy. In fact, Stepanach threatens to disrupt the country's relationship with the Vatican, which you've got to imagine scared the shit out of some of the Catholics in the country. Uh, and then uh, the bishop sends a letter to Tito saying, look, I'm against this whole separation of church and state. I think there should be a free press in this country. And as far as all that money that the lands, the church's land was generating, I want that money back for the church. So I don't think Stepanach is giving an inch, even though Tito did try. So now it's pretty much a battle between these two. And I don't know if you want to say the strongest man is going to be left standing, but literally the soul of the country is up for grabs. So these two go, it's a war of words then for a while between Stepanach Mm. and Tito. Uh, Stepanach was publishing lots of articles in the church's media, defending the role of the church and the bishops during the period of the NDH, blaming any errors, quote unquote, 
that had occurred on people who often behaved as if there were no church authority. So he's basically saying, look... These these uh, these these uh, Catholics who ran off and did all these horrible things, they they weren't getting their marching orders from no. the church. They were just doing their own yes. thing because they were crazy mofos. Um, yeah. Errors reminds me of when I talk to when I get into arguments with David Markham about America's uh, you know. Uh, Geopolitical uh, adventures around the world. Right. He says, "Sure, mistakes have been made, <laughs> but they were mistakes. Mistakes, like mistakes, makes it look sound like you didn't. Oh yeah. shit! Did we just <laughs> invade Vietnam and kill millions of people? Sorry. Did, oh, whoops. Sorry. We, we, we totally thought we were invading yeah. Yeah. another country. Right. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> mistakes. My bad. No, not errors. Not mistakes. Deliberate policy." Right. Not mistakes. Don't fucking try that one. So Stepanuch said, look, they had no, that was, it wasn't the church. It was just, you know, lone wolves. Lone, wolf. lone wolves lone did wolf. it, Ray. Lone wolves. Lone wolf. Right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like that fucking 17, 17-year-old kid in Wisconsin yep. who's been charged with shooting people in the head with his yeah. AR-15 was, uh, during the protests there he, at the moment. He was protecting property. It wasn't his property. He didn't know the property owner as far as I know, but he went out with his gun to protect other people's properties from the rioters. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. Lone wolf. I Lone mean, wolf. the fact that a bunch of right-wing media sites had been calling for people to come and uh, you know defend the streets, the militia to defend the streets... Had nothing to do with it. Just a lone yeah. wolf. Lone yeah. wolf. Couldn't have seen that coming. Now, Tito, Tito responded to Stepanach's, hey, wasn't the church's uh, doing, with his own statement where he asked questions like, why did the bishops not issue pastoral letters against the killings of the Serbs in Croatia? Mm. Why were they spreading racial hatred when they should have been trying to heal the wounds of the war. Right. If the bishops said that they were ready to sacrifice themselves, why did they keep silent under the Eustasha? Obviously, it was uh, because they either were scared of what would happen. Right. But if they were really to sacrifice themselves, they should have done so. Maybe it was just because they agreed with them. That's why they kept quiet. Right. So Tito makes a you know, bunch of uh, excellent points. Um, you know, uh, counterpoints to Stepanach's, yeah. uh, hey, wasn't us, don't look here. <laughs> but despite all of this, Stepanach wasn't arrested for a full year. Yeah. But finally, he does get arrested for his role in the whole thing. And a few years later, Tito explained the situation to an American journalist and said that he'd tried to avoid Stepanach going to trial. Yeah. In spite of his uh, obvious guilt, he said, I asked Cardinal Stepanach to leave the country, go anywhere, go to Rome, but he refused. Mm. I appealed to the Pope, who would have been Pius XII, to intervene, but did not get a reply from the Vatican. There was at that time a papal nuncio in Belgrade, Bishop Hurley of Florida, so I asked him to intervene with the Vatican and get Stepanach out of the country. Bishop Hurley was sympathetic. He took the documentation of treason and sent it to Rome, but he also got no reply. It was only then that the authorities arrested Stepanach. So kind of yeah. like Hitler trying to get rid of the Jews. I'll send them anywhere. I'll send them anywhere. Yeah. Who wants them? Who wants to take the Jews? No one? All right, well. Yeah. 
It reminds me also, I told you earlier that um, off air that I've been watching this Bill Gates, started watching this Bill Gates documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about the early years of the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Uh, Bill realised that one of the big problems with disease in the developing world was the lack of a sewage system. And so he started contacting universities around America, asking if they wanted to get involved with him to design a new toilet for the developing world. And according to the documentary, almost none of them replied to him. I'm like... Who the fuck doesn't reply to Bill Gates? <laughs> right. He's got money, Bill Gates bitch. contacts you and says, hey, yeah. yeah, you want to work on something with me? Got a project? You want to work on it? They don't reply. Who the fuck doesn't <laughs> reply to Bill Gates? Do they hit delete? I replied to Steve Jobs. Right. <laughs> he sent me an email. Uh, yeah. Oh, fucking Bill Gates again. Trash. Oh, they Trash probably can. thought it was a spam email. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get those spam emails. Bill Gates wants to give you, you know, $300 million if you test out the new version of Windows. Just send me your bank account details so we can put the money in. <laughs> They're like, oh, spam. Oh, come on. Oh. oh, my God. So uh, let's be honest. If you're if you're at a university, maybe you're an engineer. I don't know what the fuck whoever he was contacting. But toilets for third world countries, it's not sexy. It's, it's, I'm sorry, but it's not sexy. It's not something that's going to be at the top of my resume, maybe Bill Gates' name. But I, I, there's not so much. There's only so much Bill and Stan. Bill and Stan? Who the fuck am I talking about? The PR people of our show <laughs> could possibly do with that. Stan and Barry. Oh, my God, I'm having Barry a stroke. Barry and Stan. I am yeah. having a stroke. Yeah. Barry and Stan can only do so much with improved new age toilets for Is third it just world stents? Did your stents come out? Do you need new <laughs> I, stents? I popped one just now. It's... It's a little embarrassing. <laughs> what he ended up doing, Bill Gates, this is, right? not Tito, he ended up um, running a competition, uh, putting like a $7 million prize on it for there whoever could invent uh, the best new toilet. Oh, then they all fucking came yeah. to the party. Oh, oh well, there's, you're putting from, there's money Love involved. Listen, yeah, where we thought it was just saving, you know, we thought we were saving the lives of 4 billion people around the world. No, fuck off. We're fuck Americans. But now that. when there's money involved, oh, oh now we'll get involved. Yeah. Fuck. yeah, no, I'm here. I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Right? Uh, Tito, <laughs> as Tito had foreseen, the trial of Stepanach, which began in September of 1946, mm-hmm. a long time after the war had ended, was a propaganda disaster for himself and his new government and a triumph for the archbishop, no matter how undeserved that triumph might have been. So, you know, he, as we've already said, the government didn't want to sort of uh, uh, talk much about what the Eustacia had done and the fact that much of the Croat nation had backed the Ustasha yeah. and right. sort of either approved of or ignored the murder of 350,000 Serbs as well as Jews and gypsies. Right. So the charges leveled at Stepanach were that he welcomed the Ustasha government while Yugoslavia was still at war, right. that he persecuted the Serbs in the interest of the Vatican and Italian imperialism, mm. and that since the war he had entertained Ustasha representatives from abroad. 
So they're focusing the charges on Stepanarch himself and basically, I guess, trying to say that he collaborated with the Italians right. um, in the sort of occupation of part of Yugoslavia. Yeah. 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 So that's how they're going after Stepanach. Yeah, I think it's smart. They're doing this delicate dance, focus on the foreign aspect of the war. Uh, again, now Stepanach, as a man of the church, you've got to think that he is a master politician, and he knows exactly what to do. And he might have been briefed from the Vatican, who knows? But he doesn't answer a lot of questions. But he does say when he when he does, he gave like a forty eight minute speech at other. But other than that, he didn't say a lot. He said, "Look, I detest communism. You know, the people in the West are going to." Of that, uh, I hate their, the the uh, the part that they're you know they have schools where God is not in their schools. You know the West is going to eat that up. And I was just trying to fulfill the desires of the Croat people. And of course, he's leaving out the fact that they were killing a bunch of Serbs. And again, so he's seen as this humble servant of the people. So the people in the West, the Vatican, are going to eat that up. And again, it doesn't matter that there's plenty of witnesses to all these killings, the forced conversions. In fact, I read one, because uh, I did one thing on Wikipedia, a lot of people were converted by force and then executed. So I guess they were saving their souls, but they still had to be punished for being a part of the wrong religion originally i don't know so just mm. horrendous times and and of course like you said a second ago he stepanach did not do anything to stop this for the first year he doesn't say anything at all and after that he gives mild criticism so it's a pretty good case but again they're dancing around the main issue because tito does not need that blowing up in his face and I just want to stop for a second and just remind everyone what we're talking about here. Like 350,000 people uh, yes. killed, um, ethnic cleansing. Oh, yes. Uh, by Catholics, supported by, and we have to assume, with, with the full knowledge of the Vatican, the Pope, the Cardinals, and uh, certainly the the Catholic hierarchy in Yugoslavia at the time. I mean, this is oh, yeah. uh, this is something that just as we've said along the way, it doesn't get talked about. We hear all the time about you know the the Holocaust uh, of the Jews, but we don't hear about the Catholic ethnic cleansing of the Orthodox here. And this is this didn't happen. This is in the Spanish right. Inquisition. The 500 years ago, this is during World War II, this happened within the lifetimes of yes. people who are still around today. Right? Well, the, the other part um, of this, I'm sorry, let me just add on to that. The other part of this, you would think by now there would have been a trove of letters that have come out of the, um, the church's archives where the Pope is writing, look, I can't, you know, um, Pavelich, I can't stop you from what you're going to do, but I wish you would reconsider. This is going to be a huge black eye for you and for me and the church and everyone who's Catholic. This is as bad as if people find out that a bunch of our priests are molesting little children. Please do not do this. And of course, there's no letters like that. <laughs> Because it never happened. He never wrote any. And so when you're silent on something, in this instance, you are complicit. Yeah, I mean, the, the Pope should have excommunicated Pavelich. Yes, right at the ass. I mean, the, the, the sh- right. and the archbishops that let him do it. They should have... Ex- <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. What? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.
whenever you talk about ass now, I'm just going to play that. Oh, okay. I got you. All right, I got you. <laughs> Sorry. Focus. <clears throat> Focus. Rayla, of course, being... <laughs> People probably don't know that, but Rayla is what you call yourself when you get into full drag. Yes, um, yeah, it's my stage like name, you bitch. did in Vegas. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> <coughs> 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 anyway, <coughs> anyway, where were we? So, Stepan yeah. Arch was sentenced to sixteen years hard labour, not <clears throat> execution. So. Right. By all rights, he should have been executed. Wasn't. I guess he didn't kill anybody himself. Uh, he just didn't, you know, speak out and supported the uh, the, the killings. But mm-hmm. Stepanach, sentenced to 16 years hard labour, only served five, was released in 1951, once more offered the chance to go into exile, but refused, chose to stay under house arrest in a village just southwest of Zagreb. When he yeah. died in 1960, Tito allowed a funeral service for him in the Zagreb Cathedral. Um, and, uh, you know, try, I guess so. this guy gets off relatively lightly, I, I think. Right. Yeah. Did five years in jail. Probably got treated fairly well as a Catholic archbishop. Oh, yeah. Probably in jail with a lot of other Catholics. Um, gets out, dies, uh, you know, but the Catholics are obviously very unhappy with Tito as a result. He uh, put this guy in jail. And the Serbs, the Orthodox Serbs, uh, who, you know, saw Stepanach as one of the people responsible for their suffering during the Second World War and the, the deaths of hundreds of thousands of their family and friends uh, were unhappy that he got off lightly. So right. Tito, it's a no-win situation here. If he goes if he goes hard or high, right. if he'd gone harder on Stepanach, he gets oh, the yeah. condemnation of the Catholics in his country plus international condemnation. Doesn't go hard enough on him, gets the condemnation of the Orthodox Serbs in his country. Um, so it's a no-win situation. Stepanach anyway ends up as a hero and a martyr to the Croats, particularly those in exile, Roman Catholics around the world, um, and most of the anti-communists around the world use this as uh, propaganda material against Tito's government. Yeah. Let let me give the postscript to that, because you're right. During the trial, Stepanach, he used all the right buzzwords. This trial is not legitimate. It's a show trial. You're just attacking me so you can attack the church because you hate the faithful. I mean, he did a brilliant job. But anyway, so like you said, he died in 1960. In October of 1998, Pope John Paul II declared um, Stepanach a martyr and beatified him before 500,000 Croatians. In July of 2016, in, in July of 2016, the Zagreb County Court annulled his post-war conviction due to gross violations of current and former fundamental principles of substantive and procedural criminal law. And just one more part: Pope Francis invited Serbian prelates to participate in canonization investigations of Stepanac, but. In 2017, a joint commission was only able to agree that, in the case of this cardinal, the interpretations that were predominantly given by Catholic Croats and Orthodox Serbs remain divergent. As in, they couldn't get the truth because they were hearing two different versions of the same guy, and so they couldn't move forward. But the point is, the church was going 
to make this guy a saint or whatever you do after that process. But it got held up. Fuck. Yes, exactly. Well, I want to I want to focus on the response for, from Catholics around the world at the time mm-hmm. uh, when he was imprisoned, uh, because I think this is um, telling about a lot of the Cold War and and you know still today, um, you know in terms of propaganda narratives and why we need to be careful before we believe what we see in the Western media too readily. In the U.S. media at the time, the American Catholic bishops were calling on the U.S. government to intervene in Yugoslavia uh, to to rescue Cardinal uh, Archbishop Stepanach. Cardinal Stritch, who was the Archbishop of Chicago, was uh, one of the the American Catholics who called the trial a travesty of justice. Mm and insisted the U.S. government get involved. And he, he carried a lot of sway right. um, at, the, at the opening session of the 1952 Democratic National Convention. And, you know, we, 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 tend to assume, we, we tend to associate religious nutters and the Republicans these days, but this was at the Democrat National right. Convention. He gave a sermon saying... Today we face a crisis as grave as that of Valley Forge. And then he asked for divine protection against the aggression of those within and without of godless enslaving political systems and of those who wittingly or unwittingly seek to take away our freedoms by their advocacy of materialism and godless humanism. Fuck. Um, So, I don't know. Materialism yeah. sounds very American to me, but <laughs> godless humanism, <laughs> he's, he's all over the place. But um, as it turned out, God took care of him. A few years later, he had to have his arm amputated Fuck. due to a blood clot and died from a stroke a few days later. Mm. So that Should've was got, uh, got that stamp. one of the Americans that was speaking out. Right Now, Pope Pius also spoke out against the trial. He claimed that the charges of forced conversions that you mentioned before right. were contrary to canon law, so couldn't have been happening. Couldn't have happened. Oh, no. With no. the knowledge of uh, any real Catholics because no. uh, we don't allow for that kind Lone of stuff. Lone wolves. Lone wolves. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. Didn't they? When, when we did the Spanish Inquisition stuff on our Renaissance show, I think we talked about this because forced conversions uh, of Jews were happening in Spain and Portugal right. during that time, the late 1400s. And then I think the, one of the popes at the time spoke out against it, um, but I, I'm not exactly sure when it became canon law, if it was then or later. But Pope Pius must have known what was going on, obviously, and uh, you know we won't know for sure until the Pius uh, archives are released, which... As I've said in earlier episodes, Pope Francis <laughs> was supposed to do earlier this year. Yes. Um, he he uh, pulled he pulled back, pulled out um, <laughs> when coronavirus hit, and they couldn't have uh, you know the historians rummaging through the archives. But it's supposed to be happening as soon as possible yeah. this year. We'll see. You know, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of it's disappeared or been redacted. When it comes right. out, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But, you know, historians are fairly convinced, I think, that Pius must have known what was going on and didn't speak out about it and didn't excommunicate all of the uh, Ustasha leadership, etc., etc. 
Um, yeah. Even like during or after, like you know, as we know, Pavelic escaped and uh, went off to Argentina or wherever, and uh, the, the, you right. know they they never got excommunicated. Nothing, no. you know, ne- never got uh, 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 whatever their reputations tarnished by successive popes after Pius. As you say, right. they even tried to um, canonize. canonize. Is that what yes. they call it when they make him a saint? Canonize, Stepanach. FDR's favorite Catholic, Cardinal Spellman of New York, who we've mentioned before many mm-hmm. times. He, during the, the imprisonment, called Stepanach a victim of the forces that seek to destroy men's freedom, ruin America, and dominate the world. <laughs> so, oh, uh, you know. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, you might, you might recall that J. Edgar Hoover's files um, had numerous allegations that Spellman was a very active homosexual not that there's anything wrong with that, but you know, as a Catholic uh, cardinal, he was also right. condemning he- uh, hom- homosexuality while uh, sucking a big dick. So, <laughs> you know, yeah, there you go. D'Angelo, five hundred, yes, five five hundred Catholic journalists and editors signed a letter to Truman calling Stepanach a heroic foe of Nazism and a defender of freedom. None of them seemed too worried about his role in supporting the Eustatia. Uh, they were more concerned about atheism than concentration camps, unless the concentration camps were run by Germans, which is a whole... Yeah, that's, that's terrible. They're happy to yeah. speak out against those ones, just not the, just not the Catholic concentration camps. Yeah. Um, so just the, the hypocrisy in all of this is astounding. It wasn't really until 1948... When a former Catholic priest and uh, professor and historian at Belgrade University, a guy called Victor Novak, wrote a book called Magnum Crimen, The Great Crime. Jesus. We talked about uh, all of the the crimes of the Catholics in Croatia. Um, He had been imprisoned himself at one of the concentration camps, Banjica, that was run by the Nazis in Serbia. And in the camp, he met refugees from the NDH and he heard about the crimes of the Ustasha. Mm-hmm. When he published this book detailing all of the crimes, what do you think the Vatican's response was, Ray? Um, plausible deniability. What is that thing when they put it on a list where, you, where the Catholics can't read it? But that's my guess. You guessed correctly Boom. and you win. Yes. Uh, your soul going into purgatory. I'll take it. Uh, I'll take it. Yes. The, uh, the church immediately placed the book on the Index Librorum Prohibitorum uh, and uh, they, they declared that the author, Novak, was uh, anathema. So nice. no one's allowed to read or listen to this guy. Um, so not... Oh my God! Look at the crimes let's, that uh, Catholics committed. Let's fix let's, it. Uh, yeah, let's work on that. Address those in the full light of yeah, full light of day. No, it was uh, you know go after the author. Jeez. So that's the Catholic Church's, the Vatican's approach to the truth coming out about this, right? Which to me is again more evidence that the Catholics 
knew the truth, the Vatican knew the truth, and didn't want it out there. So they, um, yeah. you know, why else would you put, why else would you prohibit a book that talked about what the Catholics did? So uh, there you go. Yeah, because they should have been something like, look, you can read whatever you want, but I'm here to tell you it did not happen. Read his book. I don't care it, who you're going to trust, some guy or the Pope. It did not happen. But no, they shut down the entire, entire conversation, normally a sign of guilt. Now, Stepanach definitely uh, welcomed the NDH, the independent state of Croatia. Mm. He knew Ante Pavelic, knew his reputation even before the NDH had been set up. I mean, he was a terrorist even before the war. If right. People remember, we go back, he was involved in the assassination of the king, etc., going back yeah, uh, some years before. So mm-hmm. you got a terror, a guy who's known as a terrorist, uh, setting up an independent state. He uttered no uh, condemnation of the treatment of the Orthodox for a full year in yes. public or in, even in private, as far as we know, Stepanach about the Eustacia murders, right. of which he must have been fully aware of. Uh, oh, yeah. Later on, he did give some mild criticism, but uh, it seems like he thought the Axis was going to win. Ah, oh, um, so don't worry about And it. was hedging his bets. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, some mild criticism in case the Axis <laughs> did lose, right. then he could go, well, look, I did say something. Right. But, you know, but. The good guys won. Yeah. So, yeah. The right guys won, excuse me. Yeah, geez. So, so just like a typical priest being a politician, you never know what's going to happen. So he can have it either way, but now it's caught up to him. He pays the price. And like you said a second ago, there was no good way this was going to ever work out for Tito, but he had to do it because what had been done during the Civil War was absolutely heinous. There's too many witnesses. He has to follow through on this. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, just, I mean, closing off with Stepanach, I mean, even after the war, mm-hmm. he stuck to his guns, refused to acknowledge the Catholic crimes, refused yes. to accept any blame for the forced conversion and the massacre of the Serbs, and never expressed even a word of regret or contrition yes. or even sympathy for the people who lost loved ones during this period. I mean, the guy sounds like a, a total fucking psychopath himself. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, he kind of, he, he refused to take any responsibility for the massacre of the Serbs and for helping encouraging the legend that the uh, massacre never took place. That, That's right. Know, it's like uh, fake news. Right. Like there's still some people running around saying that about the Holocaust of the Jews. He was saying that about the uh, Holocaust of the Serbs. The Irish historian Hubert Butler, who actually attended Stepanach's trial and spoke to Stepanach in prison, described the archives of the Croatian Catholic Church as the Rosetta Stone of Christian corruption. God. So... uh, You've got some stuff on Butler there I think you wanted to cover? Yeah, it's just that he goes into this and he finds, you know, 
and, and I guess maybe he should have done this because he's a historian, but how do you not give your own moral judgment to something that's so heinous? Because what you were saying a couple seconds ago, maybe Stepanach could have said, look, there were lone wolves killing all those people. I hear it's like 300,000. I am so sorry that happened. It wasn't us, but I am so sorry it happened. No, not anything like that. So Butler's like... He writes, because he can't help it, I think he's reacting emotionally to to what, everything that's going on. And he says something like, he writes this, It is not clear that in times like these, the church door should be shut, the church newspapers closed down, and Christians who believe that we should love our neighbors should go underground and try to build up a new faith in the catacombs. As in, he's saying, this is so bad, everybody should have basically been against the church, shut down and start over again and not give the church any kind of support whatsoever. If it's that bad, obviously something's gone wrong and you need a do-over. And he's saying, no, that didn't happen. And so people, like you were saying earlier, the Croat people were complicit with this to a degree, to a degree. Yeah, uh, it's like hard to disagree with that, man. I, as I said earlier, I, I feel the same way about the Catholic Church due to all the child rape. Yes. That's been going on. Like I just don't understand how, how you not walk away. Catholics can continue to yeah. support that. Yeah. yeah. What do I have to do to get you to as the church? What do I have to do to get you to walk away? Is it molest your child personally? Are those parents still attending church? I mean, tell me what the church has to do to lose your support, faith, loyalty, whatever word you want to use, because obviously they haven't reached that point yet. So you were uh, on vacation recently with your Catholic priest brother-in-law. Did yeah. you uh, bring up the Ustasha and the concentration camps with him? Uh, no, he pretty much was our chef and bartender. And those are the two people you don't want to piss off. He would spend hours in the kitchen because he liked <laughs> that thing. And he would bring really expensive wines he got from all from other uh, parishes. So no, uh, no, I did not bring that up. He took care of us. He took good care uh, of us. Uh-huh. I'm a whore. You uh, know okay. this. Come on. You're not surprised. You're disappointed, but you're not surprised. <laughs> well, <laughs> next time uh, I, I catch up with him, I will bring it up. Um, so yes. uh, that is, I think, uh, that. And, you know, I don't know. Is that the end? No, I guess yeah. it's not the end of our... Tito series. We need to talk about Tito and Stalin, I guess. We need to get back into that. Yeah. I don't know where we where we draw a line up. under the Tito series, but I think it's... Um, Probably after that. He's, he's going to have his soon. falling out with Stalin soon. I think we need to do that. Yeah. Yes. It's next. Yeah. I want to get to the bit where he and Stalin write this. letters to each other saying, I'm fucking coming for you. Oh, you really? You <laughs> think so? Yeah, you're coming for me. I'm coming for you. Let's see who gets each other. Who gets like to who first. It's like this explode. We've got to get to that bit. Yeah. Yeah, mm. this paper's got poison. Uh, well, so the next couple of episodes, though, will be the interviews that I've done with uh, uh, Isaac and Lovro and Obrad. They will be coming out in uh, the next couple of weeks. Mm. I hope everyone enjoys listening to those. I certainly enjoyed the conversations and uh, was super impressed by everybody and just grateful that they would come on and, and um, share their views. So uh, absolutely, look out for that. Also... Uh, let's give a shout out to uh, Megan Riley, who we had a uh, we had a uh, yeah. what did we do? We had a chat chat with them the other day. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. they signed up to uh, the premium, the top tier Cold War, 
And yes. uh, part of the deal that we offered when we set up this show was that if you signed up to the top tier Cold War subscription, you could get you could have a live call with Ray and Cam. Oh yeah, they're the only people that have ever uh, taken us up on that. Yeah, the I don't ones. know what that says about us, yeah. but they're the only ones that went. Yeah, let's do that, and that was a lot of fun. They're a they're a they're yeah. a fun couple. They're yeah. a lot of fun. I, I expected a fifteen minute. Um, so thank you to them for uh, yeah. the chat. Yeah, and it went for an hour, so it was yeah. a great time. Yeah, it went on. It was good. An yeah. hour plus, yeah. yeah. No, it was yeah. really good. Oh, do you want to mention something about reviews on iTunes and coffee mugs, or we're just not worried about that? Yeah. Let's get back to doing that. Thank you for reminding me. So we used to do yeah. this thing where you, we said, if you write a good review for us, a funny, entertaining, clever review on iTunes, we'll send you a coffee mug. And we got yeah. out of the habit of doing it, so let's bring it back. Uh, write a good review on iTunes you can find the link on our website if you don't know where to get to iTunes to write a review write a review Um, I'll check each week for the best reviews in fact let me let me just check now Um, why not why not see if we've got some good reviews (laughs) okay so this is a review this is an ape this goes back to April right um this is from uh, author United Kingdom, author MA829. I listened to Dan Carlin before I found Cam and Ray. Dan is as dry as what's between Maggie Thatcher's legs, so it was a bit of a shock when I started listening to Cam and Ray. They were thoroughly entertaining, and I didn't like it at first. I just wanted accurate historical facts. As I listened, the history they were discussing wasn't just accurate. It was being presented in a way that you'll rarely find. It was the facts as they lay. No bias, no patriotic nonsense. It was extremely fascinating and refreshing. After a few episodes, you really feel like you're sitting with them having some great discussions. You'll laugh. You'll be informed. They even recommend reading material as well. For me, this is without a doubt the best Cold War podcast that there is thank you here, thank here. you ma829 yes. oh and here's one from finn in norway finn actually sent me uh, some great uh recommendations for music of norwegian uh sort of i don't know heavy metal jazz stuff <laughs> recently that i've been digging it's like my work music uh, so thank you for that again, Finn. Finn's, Finn's uh, review, this goes back to March, the Groundhog Day of 20th Century History Podcasts. <laughs> Cam and Ray doing the Cold War might sound like the best idea since toilet paper, and it sort of is. <laughs> Just imagine listening to the podfather and his sidekick talking about and analysing political history from the second half of the 20th century. That's infotainment, but... <laughs> They know very well that understanding has to be based on knowledge of the background. That is why every time their timeline closes in on 1950, they make a jump back around (laughs) 50 years at least so that we all can be ready to understand some of the mechanics when they one day will start podcasting about the Cold War proper. At the time of writing, Cam and Ray have spent 149-plus hours talking about the players, economics, Yalta and Potsdam, the Manhattan Project, the Marshall Plan, Indochina, Korea, the American Red Scare, Berlin, Zion, Zionism, the Soviet bomb, and Tito, and four hours of Fidel Castro as a bonus. As you can see, you get your money's worth by far, and one time in the future, they will find the secret in their heart and wake up one morning in Australia or evening in Virginia and start on the exciting story of Earth from 1950 and past 1990, Um, up until 1990, I think he means. So there you go. Um, Thank you, Finn. uh, Oh, here's one from Angie. (laughs) 
I got I don't know why I stopped reading these. These are so good. This one's from the United States. Angelo Iaconetti, uh, Special Agent Harris is the name of his review. Wikipedia suggests that the Cold War began in 1947 and ended in 1991, but 1947 is actually a bit late. After all, it has been four years and 152 episodes, and Cam and Ray's Cold War podcast has yet to even reach that initial year, 1947 of the Cold War in the show. There have been a few times when it seemed as if the podcast would make it into the time frame in which the Cold War actually occurred. For example, there are episodes on the Marshall Plan, which brought the listener up to 1948, and things seemed to be progressing nicely. However, those episodes were quickly followed by shows that had the narrative hopping back to the 1919 Paris Peace Conference in order to detail Ho Chi Minh's early struggles for Vietnamese independence from France. After about 30 years of Ho's story and once again approaching 1947, the two decided to take the story back to, you guessed it, 1919 for a second crack at the first Red Scare. This pattern of nearing the 1950s before returning to the teens or earlier has been repeated like clockwork on this show. It has led this listener to conclude that the only thing that we can be sure of moving forward is that this podcast is set to last longer than the actual Cold War did. That is because, though, as with all of Ray and Cam's shows, they are so well-researched, informative, enlightening and entertaining that it takes a tremendous amount of time and backstory to deliver the comprehensive chronicle of hilarious history that they consistently produce. I, however, would like to shift gears now and take the opportunity to focus the remainder of this review on something that I deem far more important. After listening to these guys for half a decade, the true nature of this series has become evident to me. While on the surface it appears that Cam is the commie-loving red menace of the pair, I've deduced that Ray is actually the secret agent of international communism that we need to fear. There is no possible way that someone who claims to have grown up and lived in the United States for the past 50 years can know so little, not only about American history or the Cold War, but about average everyday American life and popular cultural in general. This is evidenced every time Cam, in the midst of one of his rants, usually, forgets an anecdote or tidbit about something and asks Ray for some assistance in recalling it. Cam will ask, what was the name of that song or show or even for help remembering a common phrase or word from ordinary present-day vernacular? Without fail, Ray's eternal response is, oh, I don't remember or I'm not sure. Yet he claims he was born in South Carolina and lived much of his life in Virginia. Please, If you've ever seen the 1980s movie The Experts, starring John Travolta, you will notice that Ray's level of American cultural awareness... You've seen that film, Ray? Yes. Yes. Yes, I have. John Travolta and the other guy. Fuck off, you lie. You have have. not. Fuck off. I I don't believe you. Neither does Angelo. I don't believe Uh, you. Ray's level of American cultural awareness is tantamount to the film's KGB spies in training. It confounds me that no one else has picked this up. Despite this realisation, the show is extraordinary and is seriously worth a listen. If you think you know everything there is to know about the Cold War, think again. These guys take it to another level. As with all of their shows, five stars, only because I'm not allowed to give more. Oh, wow. Angelo, Finn, MA829. Thank you. Thank you for your... Uh, Thank you for the reviews. You all get coffee mugs. Yes. Send us an email and uh, with, an with your address and yeah. we will get something else out to you. Or, all, yeah. or I could send you a USB of uh, Marketing the Messiah with all of the uh, hey, outtakes. Either one. All of the raw interviews. Because yeah. i got a ton of those sitting here. But actually, they cost a ton of money and a ton to ship. So fuck that. I'm not sending those. No. But uh, coffee <laughs> mug, maybe. Um, <laughs> change my mind. 
<laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll be back with those interviews next week. Uh, yeah. Thank you, Ray. Thank you, Ball Boys. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Peace out. Descended across the continent.